Hello and welcome to MacCast, a podcast from the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. I'm Dr. Lauren Vicker with producer Zach Beaver, welcoming you to our third year of podcasting from the studios in Basil Hall. Last May, the Department of Media and Communication said goodbye to Dr. Ronan Shea, who taught students in the Media Management Program for three years. Dr. Shea moved to Rhode Island, where his wife is doing a fellowship at Brown University. He's teaching at Wentworth College in Boston. While we were sorry to see Dr. Shea move on, we were fortunate enough to get quick approval to search and hire a new professor in media management. And, even luckier yet, we found a professor who was able to start this month. Coming up, a conversation with Media and Com's newest professor, Max Mertel. But first, let's find out what's been happening in the Department of Media and Communication. Congratulations to Joe O'Hiri Dela Cruz for landing a paid freelance production gig with American Idol last weekend. When the ABC Television Network singing competition hosted auditions in Buffalo, New York, the opportunity was made possible by a network connection with Fisher alum Amanda Lehman. MacCast, the podcast from the Department of Media and Communication, welcomes all students who are interested in podcasting to the newly formed Podcast Club. Students will have the opportunity to do a podcast as part of MacCast or to create their own podcasts. Training and interviewing and audio production will be available. An organizational meeting will be held on Thursday, September 27th at 12.30 p.m. in Basel 210. For more information, see Dr. Vicker in Fate 203 or contact Zach Beaver. From Cardinal Television, Julia Winters has already posted the first episode of Up to Speed for the fall semester, and Nandy Summers is also covering entertainment news. Check out their coverage on Livestream or link from the Media and Comms Facebook page. Fisher celebrates National Voter Registration Day today on Tuesday, September 23rd. Stop by the Galasano Gateway from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. to register to vote, update your registration, request an absentee ballot, or register to be an election inspector or get all answers to your election questions. Don't wait. Election Day will be here before you know it. This event is sponsored by the Public Action Club and Feminist Alliance. Welcome back to MacCast. I'm Lauren Vicker, and with me, only on the job for three weeks, is Professor Max Mertel. Thank you for joining us on MacCast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, okay, let's clear this up right away. When the first time I tried to send you an email, I spelled your last name correctly, but I could only find a Jonathan Mertel in the campus directory. So are you Jonathan's evil twin or? That is one of the theories that has been circulating over the years. But uh, no, I I go by Max. I always have. Um, Legally, it is Jonathan Maxwell, but Uh my parents always called me Max. I think it's just, uh, there's very few human Maxes. It's a very popular dog name, but uh, (laughs) you don't see a whole lot of people named Max. So I'm I'm glad they've made that choice. Why they made that choice, I'm not entirely clear. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's something that's plagued me my entire life, even in 
third grade, I can recall them saying, is Jonathan here? Because that's what would appear on every attendance roster. Right. So, you know what? There's a Max here. But <laughs> So it is Max. That's what I'm going with. All right. Well, thank you very much for that clarification. So um, can we back up a little bit and hear more about your background beyond the your name and, and what brought you to apply to, for the position at Fisher? Certainly. Well, uh, I'm a native Rochesterian, so I'm, I'm happy to be working uh, in the place that I grew up. And uh, I think one of the more interesting stories I tell about my, how I landed here at Fisher, that believe it or not, my first job ever was at St. John Fisher. When I was 16 years old, uh, something like that, in 2002 or three, I uh, worked at the Buffalo Bills training camp here at Fisher. And who would have thought that 20 years later, I'd find myself right back here. So even when I was applying for this job, there was a spot that said, have you ever been employed by Fisher before? And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Like (laughs) technically I was employed by the Buffalo Bills, uh, but I thought uh, maybe my name's in the system somewhere being part of the campus. So uh, yeah, that was one summer back when Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. So early days of training camp. I think that was Mm -hmm. probably only the second or third year they were here at Fisher. They were previously at Fredonia. So I remember taking the long trek down there uh, to see the bills uh before they moved to fisher so it was it was quite a convenience when they came here but as luck would have it going down to fredonia to see the bills also led to uh, a future uh event for me because that's where i did my undergrad studies at Mm -hmm. fredonia uh so some there's weird cosmic connections between me and the buffalo bills (laughs) i guess that uh some somehow my interactions with them lead to future events for me so uh, after Fredonia, I did my master's at RIT, and I'm currently finishing up my uh, doctorate at UB. And what are you studying at UB? Communication. So mm-hmm. I've been communication all the way through. Um, I did that in my undergrad at Fredonia. We talked uh, as we were sitting here in the studio about my uh, limited experiences in production, audio and video is where mm-hmm. I started off at Fredonia. Uh, went through the communication media technologies program at RIT, and then uh, just the communication department at UB and uh, I've been done with my coursework for some time now but uh, finishing that dissertation has proved more challenging than I thought but I'm hoping for this uh, semester to have it done and I can officially add a few more letters to the end of my name but (laughs) excellent excellent so what what led you to pursue a career in academia rather than going into the communications field that's a great question well both of my parents were teachers um, Mm -hmm. and part of me didn't want to do what they did, but I guess it's in my blood that it was unavoidable that I would end up teaching uh, because as they say, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach, teach gym. And my father was a gym teacher. So I I was like, I don't know if I can uh, continue down that route exactly. And I I didn't really want to work with younger kids, like, Mm -hmm. you know, teenagers and hormones. And and, and my mother taught uh, much younger kids, first graders and things Mm -hmm. like that. I just couldn't do that all day. So (laughs) there's a little bit more maturity at the college level. So I I, I appreciate that. And halfway through my master's, I really had no intention of becoming a teacher. I I had, after undergraduate, I I lived in Los Angeles for a time and I, I worked at Home Depot and uh, you know, I was just like, I can't do this much longer. So I wanted something else. So I thought, well, I'll go back for my master's. Um, the economy was still struggling at that time in 2010-ish. Uh, so I said, well, there's not a whole lot of opportunities here. I'll head back to school. Um, and uh, it was at that point that a professor suggested to me, hey, I think you could probably teach. 
at the college level. I said, you know, I've never really thought about that, but I said, what the heck, I'll give it a shot. He <laughs> said I go should go for my PhD. I did, and now I sit before you. So. <laughs> and this is not your first time actually teaching college courses. Oh, no. I've been mm -hmm. at it for at least four years now. Mm -hmm. um, I taught kind of as a teaching assistant at UB for a time. Uh, you, you only get really a handful of opportunities uh, as a teaching assistant. So I hadn't really been in command of my own course until I think 2014. Mm -hmm. I was hired at Niagara University, and I just taught a single section of uh, sports communication there. Uh, which was fun because uh, I'm a sports fan, so I got to incorporate some of my uh, knowledge of sports and current events in sports into that class. And, yeah, that was quite an experience really shouldering the full load of the course responsibilities. Uh, and it, 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 it was a challenge at first, but I slowly got the hang of it, and I was just able to pick up more uh, adjunct positions as I went along. So for the last two, three years, I've been teaching uh, simultaneously at RIT and at Geneseo. So I've, I've kind of had a full course load for the last uh, two years, um, and I've taught a variety of courses in that time. So uh, I think that set the stage nicely to uh, finally plop down in one location, not mm -hmm. have to commute between Geneseo and RIT and all that. So, uh, I yeah, I, I've had experience, but anytime you come to a new school, there's new things that you got to mm -hmm. get adjusted mm -hmm. to, new system that you're using your courses on. We have Blackboard here. and. I think at this point I must have gone through five or six different systems. So just <laughs> making that adjustment uh, takes some time. But uh, so far it's been as smooth as it can be. Right. That's great to hear. And so tell us what you're teaching this semester. So this semester I got kind of a mix of courses. I got two sections of business communication, something I've taught several semesters over the past few years. So uh, I like that course because uh, it, it, I always just tell the students it, it's good practice. It's mm -hmm. one of the hardest things to practice is public speaking. You can't get an audience. Like you can record yourself in your room and you can kind of work on it, but it's a whole different animal when you're up and there's 30 eyes staring at you. So uh, I said you can go out in the courtyard, try to get people to listen to your speech. Good luck doing that. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen someone successfully uh, assemble an impromptu audience, but... Uh, yeah, so I always stress the, the luxury of being able to get up in front of people and speak and work on that. So I think that's an important uh, experience for students to have. And uh, sometimes that class, you know, it, it's very procedural, a lot of writing assignments and grammar and checking all of that. But I think it's definitely worth it to get those uh, experiences under your belt. And then I'm teaching a new class that's, uh, well, at least new to me. Uh, in media analytics. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something I kind of had to do a little extra training over the summer to uh, uh, teach myself some of the ins and outs of uh, some of the programs I hadn't used so much before. Um, I, I was a statistics minor uh, in my doctorate, so I have some experience working with um, SPSS and programs like that, mm -hmm. which we definitely use in the course. But I had to learn a lot about Google Analytics, which yep. is something I hadn't really used at a, at a high level in the past. But I think uh, it's such an intuitive program that I've been able to come up to speed with that relatively quickly. And I like that course because it's one of our service learning courses, and we get to work with some really great community partners. Uh, we work with the 1330 Cancer Connect um, organization, which does really good work, uh, and the Cause Collaborative, which has uh, finds a lot of nonprofits in the community and helps them promote themselves in, in a variety of ways. So. They've been kind enough to uh, allow us to take a look at some of their web data. Hmm. And I think using that real life data 
makes it more meaningful for the students. So it's not just dummy data that has no meaning. This is somebody's business and uh, or organization, and we can hopefully work to improve uh, how they present themselves on the web. Uh, so I'm enjoying that class so far, but that one's had its challenges. And then <laughs> uh, finally, uh, I'm teaching uh, the introductory uh, uh, mass communication course, which is probably one of my favorites. Uh, just an hour ago, we wrapped up, I think, my favorite lecture of the semester on Orson Welles' War of the Worlds mm -hmm. broadcast. So I, I kind of like that course because it's a mix of history and theory and uh, current events as well. Uh, and it's uh, you get to take a look at some really interesting media events throughout time. So uh, the Orson Welles broadcast, I, I was thrilled just an hour ago when I asked the students who had heard of this event, and very few of them had. Uh, very few had even been aware of who Orson Welles was. So wow. it, was, it was a lot of fun to introduce that to them. Uh, and we, we actually played a few snippets of the broadcast that sent uh, a portion of the country into panic that right. night in 1938. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And so in that class, too, you get a chance to um, encourage a lot of new freshmen to become media and comm majors or media management majors, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of them are on the communication track. I, I think okay. we had very few undecideds, but we had a few in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope uh, I don't scare them off of it. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> my primary goal, that I can make it seem at least interesting enough to uh, continue on, and, and I hope that's what most of them choose to do. So how do you think Fisher students so far compare to the students you've had in, at other campuses? That's a great question. I, I think, you know, when you're in that age range of 18 to 22, there's, I think the similarities far outweigh the differences. You could pick any <laughs> college campus really across the country, and you notice people experiencing the same issues in life and, you know, adjusting to the new college environment and uh, so, so those similarities are all pretty universal, I've found, in the, the places I've taught. But I do notice there's some cultural differences. Like the, a lot of my students at RIT, uh, bless their hearts, they were very, very kind and welcoming. But a lot of them came from an engineering background. That's really what RIT, yeah. is, their primary central thrust is. So I, I noticed things like a lot of my jokes didn't land as well. <laughs> I don't know if that's poor commentary on engineers, but uh, I noticed when I get a class more of communication majors, they tend to laugh a little more. And I, I like that. That makes me feel a little better. Uh, but I was like, boy, I just couldn't get a laugh out of the RIT students. So <laughs> little differences like that. But uh, again, for the most part, everyone's been really great. So. So, and what kind of courses are on the agenda for future semesters? I know one of the th reasons you were hired was because we're anticipating a master's program in strategic communication, uh, and, and you would be part of that. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what's coming up in the future for you. Sure. Uh, just next semester, uh, I think my uh, a few of the courses uh, will be offered again, including the intro comm class. Um, and the business comm sections, but I think I have a principles of advertising class coming oh. up. Uh, that's something I've taught a version of at RIT, um, and uh, I don't anticipate uh, major uh, changes from that, but I, th that's a segment of media that I think a lot of people tend to overlook or they lump it into mass media in general, and it's, it's mm -hmm. certainly a part of that. But advertising is kind of its own unique animal, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I like focusing on that. I like uh, especially offering it in spring semesters because we can dissect some Super Bowl advertisements because yes. there's <laughs> invariably some uh, uh, controversial ones that mm -hmm. are a lot of fun to talk about every year. There's always one that gets people talking. Um, so uh, the, that, that will be coming up in the spring. And then in the fall, 
Yeah, we're looking at uh, the strategic comm uh, courses at the grad level, some of which will be very similar to the web analytics class, mm -hmm. uh, some of which will incorporate aspects of uh, principles of advertising but do it at a graduate level. Mm -hmm. So uh, there'll definitely be more focus on uh, maybe kind of like the production side of advertising mm -hmm. rather than the analysis and understanding side that is more geared towards undergraduates. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I've never really taught a course at the undergrad level and then a similar course at the grad level, and I'm still kind of planning out what the distinctions will be, what will make it different. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's coming down the pike, so to speak. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because in the graduate program, you may get people who did not have much communication at the undergraduate level. So in some respects, it may not be all that much different, even though it's got to be obviously working at a higher level. And we anticipate having more professionals in the program, too. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. I'm thinking back to my own experience in graduate school of how many people actually had come up through communication uh, like I did. And uh, yeah, there were several that hadn't. So if it's something that you really hadn't done much uh, uh, or explored much with in communication as an undergraduate, yeah, I, I, uh, at the, if you were to take a graduate level comm class, would certainly make efforts to bring you up to speed uh, and uh, make sure that everyone's on the same page. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I <laughs> got to keep that in mind. So, and you mentioned that you're working on your dissertation. Does any of your teaching relate to what you're doing for your dissertation? Yeah, part of what we're doing on the dissertation um, is looking at risk and persuasion. So, um, the persuasion element of it is something I definitely incorporate into my business comm classes, especially because uh, one of the things that students have to do is give some persuasive speeches and mm -hmm. write some persuasive documents. Uh, so, there's a kind of unknown or not well-known kind of um, framework for explaining persuasion that I think is relatively new. Uh, and my understanding is this dissertation that we're working on is one of the few studies that incorporate all elements of this uh, framework uh, to study mm -hmm. persuasion. And uh, there's a researcher named uh, Cialdini, Robert Cialdini, who had created this thing called the Six Principles of Persuasion. And it's something that a lot of people don't know too much about. So I kind of was looking through studies and I said, okay, I see studies that have exam examined portions of these principles or, oh, they look at two of them or this and that. I said, wouldn't it be interesting if we were to incorporate all six in a certain capacity? Mm -hmm. And we weren't sure how we were going to do that. But several of the studies or the components of the dissertation are essentially uh, asking people to read these persuasive messages that emphasize one of these six different uh, persuasive principles. Mm -hmm. uh, so... I, I thought, well, I could take that on the research end and introduce it in the classroom, and hopefully people could use some of those principles to make their point a little bit more clear, more persuasive, more assertive uh, by using these principles. And a lot of these principles are things people knew about, but I don't think they understood that they were distilled down into these six unique categories. So they include things like things you hear in advertising, scarcity appeals, things like act now, supplies are limited, mm. uh, the, there's... Uh, this sale only lasts for, you know, a week or so. So Black Friday is entirely uh, revolves around a scarcity appeal, that these yeah. sales only last 24 or 48 hours. So things like that. Or an authority appeal. You say, you know, it used to be used for ill with, like, cigarette advertisements. Four out of five doctors recommend Marlboro cigarettes. You'd hear advertisements like that all the time uh, in the early days of television. So, um 
there's uh, other uh, components. We could go through all of them if you like, but, but each emphasizes a different element of persuasion that anyone can really use in any capacity mm -hmm. to make themselves a little bit more persuasive. So that's something I definitely bring into business comm especially, but it's something I'll talk about in uh, my advertising courses as well. It sounds like I need to invite you into my public speaking class when we get to <laughs> persuasive speeches. It sounds like you've got something to add to the to the textbook, which is which Definitely, is really yeah. Great. It's something yeah. that I haven't seen in a lot of textbooks. I think because it's a relatively new, and I kept calling it a framework. It's not exactly a theoretical framework. It's more just uh, these six different options that are at mm -hmm. your disposal when you're trying to be persuasive. So yeah, I, I hope that if my dissertation uh, comes out the way I'm anticipating, uh, that people will look at it and say, yeah, that, that's something we could do when we're testing different persuasive messages. Try all six of these variations and see if one is more effective than the others. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. That sounds great. So before we go, are there any uh, fun facts about Max Martel that you'd like to share so people get to know you a little bit better? I don't know if they're fun exactly. There, <laughs> there are some facts uh, that I... Well, I, I'm a, unfortunately a very large Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, I say large. I, 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 I'm not referring to my height, but uh, no, I, uh, yeah, unfortunately have been uh, uh, brought up to root for the Bills since the days of Doug Flutie at quarterback. Yeah. And uh, it's been rough this year. Mm -hmm. So I, I keep telling the students when the Bills finally get a victory, you'll see me come in in my one kind of Buffalo Bills dress shirt, if you can believe they make such a thing. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to wear it yet this semester. So I think the students who have me on Mondays see me come in and looking particularly glum. Uh, so uh, if the Bills do ink out a victory this year, please, uh, please let me bask in my momentary glory because it won't last long. You got to right. savor it when it comes. So. All right. Very good. Well, Max Martel, thank you so much for joining us today on MacCast. It's been great to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for having me. MacCast is a production of the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and like us on social media so others can find and enjoy these conversations. Zach Beaver is our audio producer and records what's happening. Our original theme music was composed and performed by CJ alum Dr. Joseph Lopicaro. Jordan Proietti of the Class of 2017 designed our logo. Cecil Felton is executive producer, and I'm Lauren Vicker. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.